change. It's the one word we all got to know a little better in 2020. COVID-19 has impacted all of our lives. Some of us are navigating the world of virtual work, while others are trying to stay safe while continuing to serve the community face-to-face. Parents and children are getting creative, transforming the kitchen table, dining room, or office into a classroom. Still, many members of our community were already struggling before the pandemic hit. Issues like housing instability, living paycheck to paycheck, and navigating serious health concerns were only amplified by COVID-19. And the need keeps growing. At United Way, we know that our community cannot be successful while some are left behind. We know equity is the cornerstone of healthy, thriving neighborhoods. We continue to reimagine what our world can look like and the paths we need to tread to get closer to that vision. From United Way of Greater Milwaukee and Waukesha County, this is Living Local. I'm Dan Herda. On today's podcast, United Way's Katie Kuhn looks at how COVID-19 has impacted our community especially our local nonprofit agencies and the people they serve. People of color in our community have been particularly impacted by the pandemic. Decades of inequitable access and opportunity have put black and brown community members at a higher risk, not only a health risk, but risk of homelessness and housing instability, on and underemployment, lack of access to nutritious food, the list goes on and on. In a moment, we're going to hear from Devin Hudson, Executive Director of Silver Spring Neighborhood Center, as she shares both how COVID has impacted her organization and her own family. But first, let's hear from Nicole Ingrisano, Vice President of Community Impact at United Way, about how the organization is planning for the long-term impact of COVID-19. The last day I was in the office was March 13th. And for a couple weeks before that, I remember thinking, okay, this thing is happening and it's gonna have a large impact on us and and on our nonprofits in particular. But I had no idea of the magnitude and the scope. Nicole leads the community impact team at United Way, which manages relationships with our nonprofit partners, takes part in community collaborations and coalitions around tough issues, and makes funding decisions. So many people in our community were facing a pandemic long before COVID started, right? The pandemic of poverty, the pandemic of insecure employment or insecure housing. And so for United Way, these are issues that we've been addressing for many years uh, with increasing focus and purpose in recent years. As early as March, Nicole and her team began receiving calls from local nonprofits looking for help reacting to the urgent needs of the people they serve. As the months passed, the needs grew and grew. What we're seeing is new homelessness, folks who have never been in the system before becoming precariously housed because of job loss, because of a closure of a small business, because they're unable to report to work because of health issues. There's going to be an enormous increase on demand on an already taxed system. I think as with any natural disaster, as with any negative community condition, 
people who are already struggling are disproportionately impacted. And what we're seeing in terms of COVID is a significant impact on our black and brown communities, in particular uh, in the central city of Milwaukee, where there's already less room for error. If you're a family who's already struggling to make ends meet, if you already have some challenges in terms of your wage uh, or being able to provide safe and stable housing for yourself, adding this kind of not only burden in terms of some folks not being able to go to work, having increased expenses, and so the job losses, uh, the burdens of childcare, all of these extra things that have come as a result of COVID are exacerbating an already uh, significant divide between the haves and the have-nots. Nicole's days are spent trying to strike a balance. So we're in phase one, we're trying to make sure that all of these emergency needs are being met while simultaneously considering, okay, what happens next for this sector and for our community? Because even when COVID goes away, even when the masks come off and we're, and we're ready to resume what you, you know, our, our traditional ways of life, the effects are gonna be long lasting, the economic effects, the potential health effects. So getting back to normal isn't as simple as we don't have to wear masks anymore and our kids go back to school and we're back in our office. I sort of think about it as the aftermath of a hurricane and now you've seen exactly what happens and now you know what has to be rebuilt. We haven't seen exactly what has to be rebuilt yet. There's still so much ambiguity and gray out there about what is the impact gonna be long-term that I just have to keep working towards meeting those immediate needs and also considering and remembering that this is gonna be a really long road to recovery. At the Silver Spring Neighborhood Center, our core mission is to really work to build a safer, stronger neighborhood community. That's Devin Hudson, Executive Director at Silver Spring. We've been around 63 years serving Milwaukee's Northwest side, and we work very closely with the of course, with the West Lawn residents, and we have programs that serve people from six weeks up to seniors. In August, Devin and her daughter received devastating news. They had tested positive for COVID-19. I think anybody that works in social service and continues to work, you know that you're putting yourself in a high-risk category. I was fully aware of that, but it's always different when you have it confirmed. Then the other thing was, Gosh, I'm the executive director of an entire agency. I just couldn't rest and be sick. Like I had to think about the agency and the best way to, um, to handle that and protect the employees and still worry about, you know, gosh, we're still an essential service. We still have to provide services for the community. Personally experiencing a COVID diagnosis shed new light on the disease for Devin. There is a big uneasiness in the black community. There's still that fear, I think, of, of being tested, to be marked that you have it. We know that there's never, there's never been a secret with the healthcare industry in the black community. There's a leeriness. And we have to be mindful that the 70s, we just came off of the Tuskegee experiment. Let's pause here for those who aren't familiar. The Tuskegee syphilis experiment is one of the most horrific chapters in American medical history. In 1932, 
the U.S. Public Health Service recruited 600 black sharecroppers to participate in the study with the promise of free medical care. About 400 of the men had latent syphilis, and another 200 were a control group. Without their knowledge, participants were given placebo medication so doctors could track the full progression of the syphilis disease. By the time the experiment was terminated in 1972, 28 participants had died of the disease, 100 had died of related complications, and at least 40 spouses had been diagnosed and 19 children inherited the disease at birth. As a result of this experiment, which again lasted until the 1970s, many Black community members understandably harbor a deep mistrust of the American medical establishment. In my age group, right, you know, um, the boomer generation, that's our experience. It's gonna be a lot of work to be done to in this area. How, we, you know, the black community or poor communities have been impacted by it. With all of that and, and, and just kind of some of the stigmas around the healthcare industry, I can understand people people's reservations um, and being treated or being tested, right? There's a lot of things that go into that. While, you know, when the pandemic first hit, we really, Silver Spring never really completely shut down. We kept our, our food pantry going as that's an essential service. And so I watched people deal with the fallout, you know, jobs and, and job loss and the food insecurity grew. And just really watching how a lot of the other communities had the luxury of shutting down, right? And everybody's been impacted negatively, but there were some luxuries that just were not afforded to the Black community at all we had to continue to worry about, man, you know, I, where are we gonna get our next meal? I don't have a reserve in the bank. Um, I, we, I don't have the, the luxury of working from home, so therefore I lost my job. So we stuck with our mission and knowing the odds. Thankfully, we were in a good position to keep all of our staff. I always say that our staff, right? Like we are who we serve. Keeping our staff employed and paid was critical. I didn't want them to have to become recipients of our services, right? Yes, we did take the risk and remain open, but we could because people cared and people kept us supplied with the things that we needed to provide the community. 2020 has not only brought challenges for Silver Spring related to COVID-19, but the escalating conversation around racial justice and violence has reinforced the critical nature and core mission of organizations like Silver Spring. The work that Silver Spring does and many other agencies is a result of all the injustices, right? So our programs, however old our agencies are, were really formed to address the results of um, inequity, racism, poverty. The work that we do every single day responds to those things. It's just that now we're seeing it in real time, unfortunately. There's the shock value in that, but in all honesty, that's been going on for, for decades. For years, we know it and we hear about it and we may read it and stories are passed along in the Black community and, and they're told, but when you see those images over and over again, there is a mental, emotional backlash. We have begun with, particularly with our youth, um, to address some of the mental health aspect of that. For me personally, um, you know, you go, 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 
and you're doing, doing, doing. And sometimes I sit back and I think about, wow, I mentally am feeling this. I'm mentally starting to become drained by those images, um, by having to get in there and do this work every day, by having to respond to conversations, right? When sometimes the reality is I'm really angry and I want to voice that and I want to put that, you know, where do I go with all of those emotions? And so, um, you know, even with our staff, we've begun to have um, not always necessarily the formal managers meetings, the leadership teams meetings. Sometimes we got to come together and we have to talk these things through as a staff. What does that mean to us? Just kind of share, just dialoguing back and forth and just allowing that safe space, just us, no judgment, no, um, you know, no data being collected, none of that, because sometimes we have to be able to talk this through to continue to get in there and do the work and still remain focused on our mission, still remain focused on serving people and driving things forward. And I have always said that our work is not a movement and it is not a hashtag. Now, nothing against those pieces because it brings attention to, to some various, very serious subjects. We meet people and help people right where they're at. Just having the quality equal things, whether it's early childhood education and, and you know, real good curriculums, like real learning, real stuff that's happening in our early childhood, that's preparing them for school age, that's preparing them for their third grade benchmark levels, right? Like we have to do all that real work up front. And the real work is not necessarily the glamorous work. And it's not pretty or sexy and it's hard, it's hard work. And oftentimes the black community is in a, a space of um, reaction, right? Like we're reacting and not always planning. We wanna get to the planning phases, don't get me wrong. And that's where we're building people to self-sufficiency. But to get to that, you have to address that immediate, that, that immediate right? That bottom of the pyramid. It is just for us to continue to have the things that the residents need to survive right now to get through these really, really uncertain times. You might be surprised to hear that Devin has been in her role as executive director for only a year. And what a year it's been. I asked, what keeps her going? Definitely, I have ebbs and flows, good days and bad days, but Ultimately, um, I'm really blessed that I have a committed, caring staff. As I watch them work through this whole crisis, and, and even though they have their good, bad, good and bad days and their uncertainties, they remain so committed and so compassionate um, to our program participants, right? They're still going above and beyond. I watched our youth group um, during the time, you know, many of them spent their own money to put boxes together to send to their peers whose families who have been impacted. And, you know, my grandson, you know, he's in the early childhood. And so I, I watch him with his peers and I watch them babies. And I'm, I'm like, if they didn't have this space, where would they be? But when I know that they come there and they're in a safe space and they're being fed and they're being loved on and they're being cared for, that's the thing that gets you up. That's the thing that keeps you going. To be in service now is more critical than ever. Even though it's harder to be in service-oriented jobs, it's more critical than ever. 
Your donation to United Way's Community Fund supports critical programs at Silver Spring Neighborhood Center and other nonprofits throughout our community. You can learn more at unitedwaygmwc.org.